Hello and welcome to another episode of the St. George's Trotting Staff, the official podcast of the Church of St. George, the Marte in Kales River, alongside the chapelries of St. Mark and St. Monica's. I am Lindsay Shooters, your host on this exploration of faith during this time of crisis. It is Trinity Sunday and I'm joined as always by the rector of our parish, the Archdeacon Rodney White. How do I find you today? Good day, Lindsay, in a, in a very good mood, <laughs> which I trust I'm always in. But I'm very enlightened by my experience with the young people today um, and also in the creative conversations I've been having with my family. So, yes, I'm in a good space um, and also deeply challenged by the incredible theme of the Trinity, uh, which we celebrate tomorrow. So one's mind does all kinds of jumping around to say, how are we going to bring that out uh, in some explanation? And as always, I look forward to your conversation, you and your conversations. And so I trust you are well and your family too. Uh, yes, um, fresh off some celebration of my amazing wife, Monique's birthday. Um, she is now a full bottle of all gold tomato sauce. So if you're clever <laughs> and you remember the ads, if you're old enough, actually, <laughs> you, you will know how old she is. Um, how old she turned, at least. So happy birthday to she her. To all of us. Thank you very much. Your theme that you have extracted is from Paul's letter to the Romans. Um, now that we have been put right with God through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, it's an interesting theme, especially given that you had spent some time with the youth in our, in our diocese. It's particularly, how is the faith amongst the youth? Because uh, are we still seeing the rapid decline in new Christians or like committed Christians, um, like outside of the pandemic, um, just in your in, in your observation in the parish or in the archdeaconry, is, are there fewer younger people entering the church? You know, it's very difficult to say, but when one listens to those that are there and are very committed, one feels that you have at least the nucleus to work with because we're all in the process of having to rebuild our faith and rebuild the church uh, in a post-pandemic um, society, or whatever that is going to mean. And um, and so one finds in the in the in the talk of, amongst the young people things like um, you know uh, when you have a pandemic that shakes up everything. Does our faith and therefore our church provide constancy? Yeah. yeah. Consistency. Or are we still faltering around about who God is and why God has allowed this? And even those questions are questions of exploration of faith in a crisis, as you put it so brilliantly for this podcast. So the search for God is very real. Uh, not necessarily the, the, the church. The, 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 the search for change, but a challenge to reflect on what we do have, and then to begin to say, uh, as one young person put it today, sometimes I want change, and sometimes I don't want change. Now, I don't know whether change depends on the mood I'm in. And so if we are to work basically on the moods of people, we'll never know which way we're going to. So who then provides us with a sense of consistency 
whilst we are exploring under new circumstances the meaning of God, the meaning of faith, as we mm -hmm. face the crisis that we do face. So I'm encouraged by the group that met this morning. Um, we also spoke about those who are seeking the thinking the grass is greener on the other side. And I said to them, you see, that's the problem. The grass may actually be brown on the other side. What <laughs> then? And so um, I, and, and so we explored, we, we explored with young people today in the text based on Isaiah 40, um, youth and the Anglican worship. And does our worship structures and what we have in there help people who are young to be able to worship God? When in their worship today, they praise and worship as they called it, they were singing choruses. Mm -hmm. um, explored with them, you know, music in our worship, what type of music should we be having? And uh, then I asked them this question about whether they actually explored the meaning of these things that they sang. And truthfully speaking, they don't. So I think there's a whole level, not just of young people, but of all of us, um, real levels of ignorancy, because mm. we are seeking consistency. And so in our ignorance, we seek what is um, the cream on the top because we're afraid we may lose grounds if we explore the depth of the thing. Yeah. yeah. We may get lost if it's too deep, but if it's just the cream on the top, top we think we are safe. And, and I hope that our, our children and, and our adults particularly would not wallow in ignorance. Uh, a, a words that have come to me again this week is this, do not be swayed by every wind of doctrine. Yeah, I think yeah. that's what's happening now because of ignorance and fear. People are looking for easy answers to fix their faith in a time of crisis yeah. and not explore yeah. the depths of, of, the, of the situation. But I mean, we've been trained to do that. Like if you just look at the media that we're consuming now, it's becoming shorter and shorter and shorter bites of information, well, entertainment, disguised as information sometimes uh, where like the rise of you look at the dominant form of communication amongst the youth at the moment which is on TikTok and TikTok is anything up to 15 minutes of something but most of the time it's just people dancing to whatever song the music industry wants to push out and make viral and it, it's 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 really sad that like our biology is not evolving at the same pace as our technology so the way these platforms hack our base existence like how, how just our, our instincts our it just feeds into that dopamine hit and it just takes over your brain chemistry and like you are almost powerless to resist just sitting and doing and and consuming endlessly where you should be sitting and actually interacting with other people, I, I yeah. believe. And that, that's where the, the real interesting discussions come. Because there was an incident, in, uh, again, in, in the U.S., um, where a Republican actually got up and addressed the House, a House, a forum. And was, they were 
debating the the LGBT um, Q laws that they want to pass. And he was like, cool, I'm going to list all the times Jesus ever mentioned homosexuality. And then he held a minute of a moment of silence and he's like, and uh, we, I yield my position. And a lot of people were like, holy crap, Jesus never <laughs> mentioned homosexuality. And it's like, yeah, because <laughs> the dude was out there preaching universal love and acceptance and all y'all want to do is find quicker ways to smite your enemies, you know? Yeah. And and the pro- the problem is that does actually show the ignorance I was talking about earlier. Because that same people who claim to be Christians, how much how much of the Bible did they read? Exactly. So if you, you don't know the text, how can you talk about things that are not even in the text? Mm. Or that are in the text, but by uh, uh, the possible assumption. Mm. Uh, if if Jesus speaks about marriage and family and children, does Jesus and divorce, does Jesus also include every other aspect of human sexuality and human family? Yeah. When today we have families that are single parent families, grandparent families, uh, because, I mean, look what AIDS has done. Uh, a huge amount of children have become orphaned as a result of AIDS and even quicker as a result of, of COVID. Um, yeah. and, and I mean, these children, these families are just left there. So how does the Bible's message help us to engage them? What is the, 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 the current, the, the theme that goes right through it that would say, no matter if the scriptures didn't talk about every context possible because it was written in a different time, we need to find out how that global message then reaches, help, helps us to minister in the context. And we need to find um, that if Jesus was, if it's really all about John 3, 16 and 17, God so loved the world that he gave his only son and that his son came not to condemn the world, but to redeem the world. It was all about about redemption's plan then our message must be redemptive our message must be redemptive and redemptive in all circumstances without he didn't come to judge he came to redeem so we we can't redeem if we're going to be judgmental yeah we we must receive that which we don't even understand and then that even extends to like people's understanding of the law you know like we had the president's budget uh this week that (coughs) because of the farm and the four million dollars and all that stuff obviously the eff and the da all the opposition parties actually made quite a circus of parliament again this week but there is a president who is trying to do his job who is now marred by personal a personal situation, um, allegations against him and his character and everything. But it's like, at some stage, we need to separate the man and the the job, you know? Like, we can't hold Cyril Ramaphosa personally responsible there until he is proven as guilty and yeah. allow him to do his job because... Anything to the contrary um, reduces faith in our government institutions 
which affects our economy worse than the war in Ukraine, you know? Yeah. Well, how, how, does, how do you justify a Malema who was 100% Zuma, which equals to 100% Kap Gupta, yeah. and without repentance, now challenges Ramaphosa? Hmm. Um, where, where in, 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 you know, he, he has, and I looked at this text while you were reading it. Wisdom says I was beside him like an architect. Yeah. I was his daily source of joy, always happy in his presence. And then it goes on to say happy with the world, hmm. pleased with the human race. Our conversation now says just how unpleased we are and unhappy we are with what is going on in the world. With what the human race does seem to manufacture, which often, often leads to chaos. Yeah. How could our creator God be pleased with that? I would say the text is saying God longs to be pleased with the creation and with his created order. But, you know, there must be some sadness in the heart of God to think that we have done what we have done to ourselves, to others, to the world around us. Mm. Um, and, and so, uh, because we are so displeased with each other, yeah. we are so hostile towards each other. I mean, that starts in the home. And, mm. and, and I mean, the home is the nucleus of society. So whatever is going on there somehow seems to put its head out in the platforms on the world stage. But it's um, interesting no you, you mentioned that. we unhappy. Yeah, Be- sorry, go on. It's interesting you mentioned that because you were obviously citing the, the first reading, which is from Proverbs chapter 8, verses 1 to 4 and 22 to 31. And it's talking about wisdom um, and the, the birth of wisdom and how wisdom is kind of in partnership with, with the creator, if you believe those things. Uh, but then just going back to the context of wisdom, like you were saying, a lot of how we treat other people is born in our environment, our home environment. Uh, one of the quotes that you pulled out, and I, I feel personally attacked. I feel like you were trying to set little traps for me through these <laughs> these quotes that you pulled out at the beginning of the liturgy. Uh, one is by Miroslav Wolf, and it comes from After Our Likeness, the Church as the Image of the Trinity. <coughs> Um, because the Christian God is not a lonely God, rather a communion of three persons, faith leads human beings into the divine communion. One cannot, however, have a self-enclosed communion with the triune God, a foursome, as it were, for the Christian God is not a private deity. So uh, these are wonderful words, and you can hear this dude was sitting and really had time to ponder these things. And I've had the privilege of going to Croatia. And I've always said that South Africa is the most beautiful country on the planet, just by sheer variety of landscape. And driving around Croatia and flying in and just seeing (laughs) that they beat us, maybe not in wildlife, but just on sheer scenery, vistas is is incredible. And now Croatia kind of ranks just a little bit above. But here's a man who's now from this environment who can really contemplate the beauty of life and the darkness of humanity and kind of 
put it together in this. So it's, it's important to know that wisdom must be understood within its context. I agree 100%. And then when it is reflected upon and written about and proclaimed, pronounced for others to hear the experience, we then have to reflect our context and see what connections we can make with whatever people are writing in other contexts. For example, uh, Maya Angelou's poetry resonates mm. with me as a South African because what she says is universal in a way because it resonates with those of us who have had the kind of experiences that she has had on, 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 on a civil level um, and on a, a level of faith. Mm. Uh, what what a theologian in Croatia is doing, and I'm so glad this is a voice different to that which comes from America, yeah. and a, a voice different that that comes from from um, England. That here we have somebody who apparently is Protestant by his theological uh, development. Um, we I can listen to as uh, somebody who comes from the Anglican tradition. And be inspired by what he's saying. I can relate very much to the way he's saying it and to what he's calling us to. Um, but now my question would be, how do I uh, translate it into a message for our context? Yeah. yeah. Where when we look at the world and we look at what happens, um, our parliament is an embarrassment because... One would have thought politicians are not there for themselves. They are there to disagree with one another, but with respect. Um, to behave in that way doesn't put South Africa in a nice footing. You can still be honest without having to do what they do. You can still challenge the president without having to do. But I think it's not wisdom that drives us. Mm. I think it's arrogance. I think it's hostility. I think it's a, it's a, it's, it's about power. Whoever's at the top, we must pull them down. So because we want to assume that seating. So so how do I, in good conscience, even support any political party if that's the way that politicians go? However, my civil duty, which must be married to wisdom, in the choices I make often leads me to choose what may be seen in ethical language as the lesser, lesser evil. Still remains an evil, but yeah. lesser yeah. evil. Hopefully that would bring us closer to where we should be. But I agree with you. We can't read something out of its content, context. Mm -hmm. But as we read it, we need to be mindful of how we interpret Interpret it, it discern its message in our context to address our context based on what is related to wisdom. Mm. Uh, and, and wisdom, I think, has the quality of seeking to do exactly what Wolf says. How do we bring community when there's so much division? Yeah. How do yeah. we um, uh, celebrate? The, the Trinitarian concept in a divided uh, community. Um, and, and we divided on lots of serious levels. I mean, the killings in Kailitsa, for example. Yeah. 
xenophobic fear so deeply entrenched. <coughs> all you needed was somebody to raise, they taking all our things without looking at the fact that those people who are doing it are working to make a living. When you may choose not to do that, when all you were looking for was entitlement, and all of you looking at the promises that the politicians gave you without basing it on sound reflection, which mm -hmm. is what Wolf did. Wolf took his context and soundly reflected on it. What do we end up with? Kidnappings and mass killings. Yeah. That's, that's the story of ignorance. Yeah. Not of wisdom. That's a, a neat little segue into... Um... Paul's letter to the Romans, chapter five, verses one to five. So the the first <laughs> the first verse is is the theme that you extracted. Now that we have put right with God through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. He has brought us by faith to this experience of God's grace in which we now live, and so we boast of the hope we have of sharing God's glory. We also boast of our troubles because we know that trouble produces endurance. Endurance brings God's approval, and his approval creates hope. This hope does not disappoint us, for God has poured out his love into our hearts by means of the Holy Spirit, who is God's gift to us. So there's a lot of things to unpack there. First, he starts very, very, very purposefully crafting this idea of like the relationship that Christians or these Christians or the church at that time, as with God, is through Jesus Christ. And it's that experience. So it's not a first-hand experience. It's through Jesus, and that is the grace. Um, and then he gets into a little bit of the, the <laughs> as, as I like to say, the toxicity of Christianity, where it's like, you must endure the struggle, you know, the, the, the what, is, what is it? The beauty in poverty conundrum, as I like to call it. And then dives straight into... Um, just a full-on different interpretation of of God. Now it's referring to a first-hand experience of that th the hope that God has poured out His love into our hearts by means of the Holy Spirit. So now we kind of divorcing. So through these different readings of these lines, you can see how easy it is to twist. Um, and contort the words of the Bible to have to serve a political purpose, a specific purpose. You know, Eva, can I ask you what you assume would be his basic theme in verses one to five? What would be one word that could be the theme he was trying to deal with? What was he encouraging people to to hear in your way? Okay, so. Everybody, not just Christians, look forward for hope. Am I correct? Yes. There's, there's, a, there's a form of peace um, um, being put right, you know, restoring relationships kind of thing. So there's three themes that we could pick up. And Paul is saying, well, all of those things, God plays a role in it. You have a, you have a, a role. And obviously, uh, it, was, it was very difficult for us as human beings to connect with, with God in any way. So Jesus, the human, comes, uh, the Son of God comes, and he, embracing our humanity, enables us yeah. to make this connection with God. So that even a second hand through 
becomes a first-hand experience as the relationship develops. Jesus does not get extracted from that. Jesus is part of that. If we take Maslow's argument that the, the unity, the Trinity uh, in, envelops the whole sense of community. Each, uh -huh. each person of the Trinity may have a different role in doing, in bringing together what that sense of unity may be. And it's in that unity that we, the community, that's where we will find that hope. What was God's action through all of this? He's put us right with him. And he acknowledges our faith, our believing in yeah. him. Now, is this a message just for Christians? Uh, this was a message directly for a group that is being actively persecuted at the time. So then that explains the whole leaning on the endurance factor. Yeah. So then how do that, how does that endurance become a witness to those who may be persecuting them and to others? Because look, Rome is a cosmopolitan community at mm. the time. People all the time passed through. People came to live there for better opportunities. So what God is doing for Christians through Jesus Christ is a mirror of what God is doing for everybody. That's the, the living witness of the Christian without propagating judgment on what others are doing, but being a mirror of the grace of God amongst all human people, mm. amongst all the world. It's an inclusive message, which those who believe now can receive and build on and work through and reflect on and see what by God's wisdom must happen in their lives in terms of conversion and totally growing into that reality of the action of God. I mean, I just love to hear the whole thing about the fact that, yes, we do have trouble, but what do we do with it? Because we are so powerless about the troubles that we do. Paul says, OK, that is fine. Remember, you're not in this alone. God, through Jesus Christ, is with you. So when God is with you going through the trouble, makes me recall Psalm 23, though I go through the valley of the shadow of death, you encounter trouble. You may be the guy on the counter on the other side, and you're a civil servant who does not care a hell about people because you're the man in charge. I come there and I said, my surname is Whiteman, and I need this from you. And you have issues because you hear Whiteman. Hmm. But your purpose was to serve. Now suddenly there's issues. Now I'm faced with having to deal with your issues in order to get my business sorted out. So how am I and you going to work through these issues? What will be the saving grace that will eventually be able to say at the end of all of that, the, in, imagine me handling the way you are giving and eventually you begin to realize that's not the way to handle this and go another way. You change your mood or whatever. I change my mood. And then we end up saying, Ebra, thanks for the help, man. You have a pleasant day. We move on. I come to you the next time around. Where is that conversation going to pick itself up? Mm. But if I chose to fight you, if I chose to badmouth you, if I chose to report you, if I chose to publicize your bad behaviors, I see it. How am I going to be able to say that if I'm a Christian, am I not going to say that brother's not a Christian? Who knows? He may be a better Christian than I am, but whatever has happened, <laughs> we now have trouble between us. So every day we need to realize this is not just for us. We may hear the message, but we must realize 
we are we are vessels through which that message we are mirrors of the grace of god to other people and if we just keep this amongst ourselves and put conditions false conditions on why others can't receive this i mean i have a very strong belief jesus died for the world he didn't die for christians or just for jews he died for everybody so therefore the world is saved we can choose to accept that message or not hmm. we can choose to reject that message and live by our own things you know he, 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 remember he came not to judge the world but to redeem it so does his work of redemption stop because you and i maybe have turned my back against it because of that no the work of redemption is always the work of redemption for whoever wants it remember there it says the holy spirit is god's gift to us maybe the giver yeah. is standing with the gifts of grace and mercy and peace whoever seeks to want it can come and get it but it's an important <laughs> thing to remember nowadays especially with this whole obsession with cancellation um where where is the redemption story like it's easy to out somebody like to out an abuser right and you out him and because it's most of the time it's a man and he's abusing a woman and this is reprehensible but now the dude maybe did this in the past has reformed whatever um does not plan to do this in future um learns his lesson by being dragged through the mud across social media now he loses his job loses his income loses everything um and then you move on to the next thing because that's just how fast the world moves um within a day we can go from one to another to jump through five different news agendas and then what of the person like do we not want to see a redemption story do we do we not want actual justice is the justice of diminishing that person's value in society enough you know i think what you've raised is a brilliant a brilliant example brilliant because the church stands in this civil society in this um secular society where legislation has become very prescriptive yeah not necessarily with the purpose of redemption um so the church can't ignore the law but it can't ignore the work of redemption yeah because even in our circles right now i may be able to accept that i must sign a document to give the police an opportunity to screen me to clear me of any criminal event, event events that i've done and i need to go through whatever processes that says i'm not a, 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 a an abuser because we are now learning that there's going to be a register of criminals a register of yeah. of yeah. domestic violence people and of um uh, sexual crimes against children and that nobody who is supposed to be in church leadership and who works with children um should not have a certificate that says you're clean of all of that now on the one level i agree because i'm in the work i'm in the business of redemption ministry yeah. so if i'm in the business of redemption ministry then i would also need to say you 
I admit to my past. I've repented of my past. Um, is there a space in which, even though I've made it public, that people are not going to hold my past against me, but give me a chance to be restored in redemptive ministry? And therefore, if I've got gifts and skills, may have to monitor me, put me alongside other people and not leave me alone with it, but somehow that I'm able to, ex to experience redemption mm. within community. So now we have to then um, have people on the register that may be priests who may be, have been accused by somebody of sexual um, predatorial behavior yeah. or, or a priest that, that's guilty of domestic violence. Um, is there a preference in the law that even though those things is the way the country is going, and we living in the secular society and constitutional state have to learn to know how to live with that, even when we are part of the redemptive ministry, and then begin to say to those in the law, how do these people get an opportunity to experience redemption if they want it? Yeah. What, what are the mechanisms in place? Because the law can't be the law without grace. The law can't be the law without justice. And the law can't be the law without an opportunity to rehabilitate yourself. Mm. Well, why do we have all of these laws coming on? Because you see, does prison life really come with re re rehabilitation? It's going to depend on the individual, yeah. but it will also depend on society and the systems it puts into place that will begin to let this person have a sense that they're forgiven, that they can have a new start, that they can make a contribution to society. How do you put all of that together is going to be the challenge. And, um, and we in the church are having to be on the forefront because we can't talk about redemption in the sanctuary, but we're having to live by a law that gives you no sense of a second chance. Yeah. Yeah. It's an it's a interesting thought experiment because I feel that while the, the people with the biggest platform are kind of skewing a little bit more liberal over time, or at least it's, it's the virtue signaling of liberal because they do not love the values, the liberal values, you know, because there's a lot of judgment that gets cast, maybe not at the people that we've all decided that you can't judge anymore, you know. Um, but you, yes. you, you, you get to this point where there's this, this really conservative idea that's coming back where if, if you look at, at gender-based violence, so to the full extreme, you get femicide. So femicide, for it to be femicide, there must be a murder. So therefore, the victim does not have a life to return to and no chance of healing, redemption, closure, any of these things. Um, whereas the abuser then still has life. But in other forms, you have where the person has been dealt injury, mental, um, physical or psychological, um, that they then have to carry, but there is time ahead, life ahead, 
to receive that healing. So then in those cases, why is the same opportunity not granted to the abuser? You know, like, and and it, it's becoming this, there's such a finality in people's reading of these situations. Everything is just like, oh no, that's wrong, and that's it. And it's like, guys, there's, there's a lot more gray in the world. Like, we are filled with a world of gray. Like, I know couples, married couples, where there was physical, is mental abuse. The victim is knowledgeable about these things, has sought help, but there is a little bit of 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 salvation and redemption going on there. Um, it's very interesting you raise that uh, point. I remember a, a colleague of mine, a, a woman colleague of mine, who served at um, at the, the cathedral church as one of the priests in the cathedral church. And she was the celebrant, the, the, the president of the Eucharist. And yeah. um, <clears throat> uh, coming towards the rail, she noticed the wife of the church warden and next to her, the wife, the husband. But she noticed that this, wo this woman's eye uh, was discolored, around yeah. the eye was discolored. And she would try to cover it up by um, by the makeup uh, that uh, um, amber amber head uh, yeah. thought would uh, would would work for her false statements. However, my colleague stood, and she as she saw this person coming from other people giving them communion, she just thought she she needs to address the the victim with the host. That brokenness of Christ that seeks to make this victim whole. Yeah. And it's possible that the victim's story would be when asked, why is your eye like that? Oh, I knocked him to the door. It's <laughs> probably a cover up. But she had to do that in order to protect her husband and family. Yeah. So if the victim then becomes more victimized but because she has to create a narrative, yes, to 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 protect. Where where when you give the victim then the wafer that says the body of Christ broken for you, both individually but broken for you collectively, you share that. She realized just how difficult it was going to be when right next to her was this very. Uh, angelic smile on the face of the obvious perpetrator of DV, mm -hmm. domestic violence. And she was battling in that short distance between the wife and the husband. Do I just pass him by? Yeah. He's the same grace that's available to the victim in the broken body of Christ available to the perpetrator. Is the victim's uh, um, sense of the giving of Christ through the means of the sacrament, grace, and the grace that this guy was the perpetrator without proper, possibly proper penitence or repentance, a grace that has about it a stronger sense of justice and judgment upon him that he's drinking yeah. upon himself. Yeah. How do you, as the celebrant, the person who distributes the the, 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 the the sacrament, have to deal with possibly 
perpetrator and victim next to one another. Yeah. Violence is the context of their bedroom or their home. And you have to make the call. Do I or don't I? Those whose sins you forgive, they are forgiven. Those whose sins they are retained. They are retained is what is printed in, in anointed chrism oil on the palms of the priests or being ordained's hand. So in other words, what I'm saying to you, the, the line between perpetrator and, and victim in redemptive ministry is a very thin line. Mm. But yeah, moving back to, to, to the concept of the Trinity, where, and again, full disclosure, I, I am a ever more atheistic-leaning um, agnostic. Um, I will never call myself an atheist because I am not out to diminish anybody else's faith um, and push my own agenda. I am just me, <laughs> and I believe what can be evidenced to me. Um, so in John 16, uh, John chapter 16, verses 12 to 15, which is the gospel, um, Jesus threads an interesting needle here. Um, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide. Okay, uh, let me just read it from the book. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own, but will speak whatever he hears, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. So there's a, a crucial line there, which is, he will guide you to all the truth, for he will not speak on his own, but will speak whatever he hears. So there's it's a bit of a cop out from Jesus, because I think at this stage um, he's realized <laughs> like uh, these guys need something else to believe in beyond um, after after I'm dead, uh, so or after I've left this this plane. Uh, so I'm going to give them this thing where it's like the the wisdom here is. You need to examine all of the evidence and not make your judgment call. Uh, where in in these in these kinds of things, you you can't you can't rely on the commandments sent down from God. If you are a Christian, you can only rely on what is recorded in the philosophy, in the canon of the philosophy, which is of Jesus. And here he's like, the Spirit will make you. List, will show you all the truth and will speak whatever it hears. So it's going to assess, and then this is must cause you, must must give you cause to also assess the entire situation, the whole truth, and then speak on what they hear. Which which is it's, it's an interesting spin on like the hierarchy of of decision making. For me, alludes to this fact. The continuity of the common message within the Trinity and the Godhead. It's the whole message of the whole Trinity that is ever unfolding through a creator God, through a redeeming God, and through a God that sustains life and faith in truth-telling that is being revealed. So it's a it's a continuum of a message um, with many facets to it that needs um, 
the endowment of the spirit to now help people to understand on the level of consciousness, on the level of faith, on the level of of um, of living out that faith, on the level of proclamation. What truth we hear, we need to proclaim. But it's mm-hmm. the continuum of the message within the Godhead, not something separate to something that's a continuum in the unfolding of the revelation of who God is to the world, which, in all honesty, we will never, I'll never be able to fathom, not in this life anyway. But it's an unfolding revelation. It's an ever unfolding revelation, um, not just to the church, but the church is a start for the whole world. We are ultimately a conduit through which that message must flow to the world, and the Spirit prepares us to do so. Jesus is not an opt-out of it because he's part of the continuum of the work of God um, in the Trinitarian unfolding of who God is. Revelation. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, um, <clears throat> and so, at the end of the day, the Spirit helps us to look back to see where all of this is coming from. The Spirit opens up our minds and our hearts to 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 hear, receive, process, deal with on the inside. A lot of the stuff that we saw about Jesus is on the outside. It's in the hearing. It's in the seeing. Um, the Spirit now seeks for us to have that more processed on the inside in a deeper fashion in order for us to have that narrative flowing in and through our being like the lifeblood that we need to live. How will we live uh, in faith if that narrative is not within us? Uh, A narrative that would also, as it were, the Spirit is poured into us. so with the narrative comes the very presence of God operating within us. That's why we are able to celebrate at the beginning of the Eucharist that reality, the Lord is with you, the Lord be with you. In other words, the Lord is in you as well. And we celebrate what, what, what uh, Wolf was talking about in terms of understanding how this Trinitarian God is not a lonely God, is not a private God, the God who draws all who choose to believe into communion with him, um, so that the truth of God in a world where we battle to discern what is truth and lie, so that we become more discerning in the power of the Spirit to be able to under to 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 to, to speak the truth uh, wherever we are. And, and um, I think the journalistic um, tenants um, says that we have to find the truth in order to speak the truth. Mm. It's only truth can, that can identify truth. So the spirit of truth, in my understanding, then helps me to identify, to listen for the truth. You know, when I, when I sit at, at the tables, I sit in terms of my, 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 my ministerial responsibilities. I listen to how people speak their narratives given where they are from. But I still have to discern the truth on my own. I can't do that. I have to discern it from the perspective that the spirit of God, whom God has poured into me, 
um, is able to help me discern truth because the spirit is the spirit of truth in order then for me to highlight the truth, to speak to the truth in the context where one is. Mm. That is wisdom. Mm. I think that's a good place to end this conversation. And, and I, will, I will close by saying that what I always say when the subject of grace is entered into this conversation, where it's more, it's always, it's, it's not something that was, is given to you. It's not something that you need to ask for. It's, it's something that's always existed within humanity. It's our shared understanding that we are all human and yeah. we all have flaws. And it's, it's best characterized or at least best shown when you can demonstrate the understanding that your faith and your truth is also the ability to allow someone to have their faith and their truth and to try and see from their perspective. And it's, it's that, that respect for other humans as being flawed creatures as we all are, but risen apes. Mighty, <laughs> but flawed, um, and uh, allowing people to make mistakes and and find their their redemption if they are willing to. Thank you very much. This has been another why, enlightening conversation. Okay, that's yeah? why I'd like to conclude, if I may, and say yeah. I purposely chose those three um, those three quotes to say that where I stand with Wolf, I'm open to the world of Ingerson's science, as well as to the Holy Trinity religion of Skyos. Yeah. Because it's, it's a world that we have to engage. Mm. And I can't deny what they are saying. And even at, the, at, at one level, of, I'm fascinated by that. But also, my, my role would be, what are the connections between those three? that a conversation can happen, that I'm not judging them from Wolf's perspective because he happens to be a Christian. Yeah. I'm actually seeking dialogue. I'm actually seeking a friendship with a, a mind that sees things differently, a, a, a faith that operates differently. Um, I'm find, trying to find connections because I believe Ingelson, Skyos, and myself with Wolf, and my brother, um, Lindsay. We live in the same world. Yeah. It, and, and for me, on the, in this world, the act of redemption took place, as did the action of creation, and now the action of sustainability that the Spirit brings. Mm. So, and I'm saying through choosing, I, I'm dealing with the fear in me to engage those who may be different to the way I think and believe, because I yeah. see them as sisters yeah. and brothers on the journey to faith. Yeah. And my truth is evidence-based. Thank you very much for listening. <laughs> <laughs> Join us again next week for another conversation. Thank you, Father Rodney. This has been another good one.